Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Good morning. It's been a great morning so far. Welcome all. I want to begin this morning by going back to a little bit of last week. I had a great week. I don't know if uh, you did, but I had a wonderful week. Weather's been fantastic. I, know, I see the McIntosh family over there. I know they had a great week, yeah? see uh, new grandparents. It's always wonderful to add to the church. Uh, we were out at uh, the Life Builders Ministry on Wednesday evening uh, this past week. We support the Life Builders Ministry, but I just want to say, if you missed it, we had a fantastic time. They had a tent meeting. They had a tent meeting outdoor. They invite the neighborhood in, and we were there. Bethesda's uh, worship team, band, they just asked us to take the evening, and what a great night it turned out to be. As the music started, Neighbors began to come out on their porch, and really great turnout over on Life Builders' property. They've done a beautiful, beautiful job over there in that Regent Park neighborhood uh, where they're at. Been there over 12 years now, I think. And it, is, it was just really wonderful to see, and the weather was outstanding. So I encourage you, if we do that again next year, come on. It really was uplifting. Uh, I thought it was a big deal, and I guess... Uh, We've been talking about big deals here uh, for the past number of weeks. If you're visiting with us this morning, uh, if you've missed a few, I started this uh, a few weeks ago, a number of weeks ago. We've talked about what's the big deal about the church and uh, doctrine and, and building ourselves up on a firm foundation. We talked about the, the big deal about the Holy Spirit. Last week, we talked about decency. What's the big deal? What's happened to it? And I want to say, I didn't realize how big of a deal this whole big deal series was going to be. I, I have heard more feedback and positive comments through this series than I think ever before. Uh, so I'm glad. I think it's uh, resonating with so many of you because uh, I've heard comments along these lines. Wow, I really needed to be reminded of that. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I, I have to think about that as a, a big deal. Uh, and I'll just say last week, last week I uh, received more unsolicited positive comments than ever before through uh, email, texting, uh, social media about this idea of decency. We talked about decency and modesty last week. So I was really thrilled that so many of you are, you're hearing what God has for you and you're taking it to heart and you've expressed yourself that you really want to keep this and hold on to it. So I thought, I want to kind of keep that momentum about decency going. I want to do a little bit of a review from last week. This week, uh, if you've seen your bulletin, we're going to talk about prayer. What's the big deal about prayer? But I want to get there through the idea of devotion. Take it from where we left off last week. The idea of devotion and being devoted, it's been kind of bubbling around with me since Julie and I went and we visited the uh, youth camp, our uh, way youth camp 
a couple of weeks ago. Their theme, as you heard uh, Brother Rob talk about, was devoted. And the idea of uh, how are we devoted to our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and how does that really tie in with prayer? So I'll get there. I'm going to get there. I just want to let you know. Uh, so follow along, because it, it may be a little different path than you might have thought. It's definitely a different path than what I have thought. I was thinking about and praying about this idea of prayer, and I've, I'm going in a little bit different direction, but it's all in God's Word. I'm going to stick with Romans, uh, the book of Romans, where we were last week. Uh, so I'll be touching Romans uh, 12 and 13 again, and I'll also be getting to Psalm 116. So if you have your Bible, if you use an electronic Bible, get your, get your bookmarks in there. I'll be in Romans 13, a uh, couple of verses, Romans 12, Romans 14, actually. I think I've got one from each. And then Psalm 116. So last week, as we talked about decency, it, I, I said it was in the context of love because Paul led into this idea of decency through love. So uh, let it be love-inspired, uh, love-driven desire to as his word said, behave decently. That's what the apostle urged and encouraged in his letter to the Romans chapter 13. And I just want to review that. So I'm going to read Romans 13 verse 8 and 10 through 14 to remind us of what the apostle was talking about. He said, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. So he sets this stage about the idea of motivating by love. Let uh, no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this. Do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The coming of the Lord is closer, in other words. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently, as in daytime, not carousing and not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. That's how he closed it out. He had that line in there about let us behave decently. He sort of bookmarked it by saying put on the armor of light and also clothe yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is one of the many exhortations that we find from Romans chapter 12 all the way through almost the end of the letter. As I said last week, it's reminiscent of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Paul has all these great little practical ways that we can apply the theology that he gives us from Romans chapter 1 all the way through uh, chapter 11. So here he says, live as if you owe a debt, a debt of love. And let that love be the inspiration. Be inspired by love. Be inspired by love to behave decently as in the daytime. Totally transparent. Everybody can see you. Put on that armor of light. 
put on Jesus. Clothe yourselves in Jesus Christ. And this is what Paul paralleled in some of his other letters. In the letter to the Galatians, Paul wrote, For all of you who have been baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So Paul uses this image, this picture of clothing, of dress, uh, and, and he ties it in with Jesus. Our covering, what we cover ourselves up with, he ties it in with Jesus. Have you put on Jesus? Does Jesus define who you are? We've been talking about these big deals, and I think this is a, really one of the bigger deals. Does Jesus define you? Have you put on Christ? Do you wear him like a garment? Is he exposed for all to see? Have you ever received a compliment? Hey, that's a nice suit. I like that jacket. Oh, that's a beautiful blouse. Is that new? Last night, uh, we were out in an event, and someone walked up to me and said, hey, I like that suit. You look GQ. I said, wow, that feels pretty good. Yeah, I'm looking GQ. It's nice to receive a compliment, isn't it? People, when, when people notice, it feels good. And I don't think we get up too often in the morning, and we dig through our closet. Okay, hey, what can I grab here that's going to offend somebody today? Oh, yeah, that'll do. I mean, maybe some people do that, but probably not the whole, the, the majority of us. We're not looking to put on something that's going to turn people off, that's going to offend them. We want to be well-received. And what we put on is part of that. So the apostle Paul exhorts us, put on Christ. When you meet someone new, Oftentimes there's casual, small talk, little banter back and forth. You might exchange names, ask questions. Hey, where are you from? Where'd you go to school? What do you do? You know, you ask that question, what do you do? And that's when sort of a definition of a per person comes to the surface, doesn't it? Oh, I'm a teacher. I'm a student. I'm a doctor, lawyer, plumber, electrician, engineer, auto mechanic, whatever it might be. And is that what defines you? Or is it Jesus? And when is Jesus introduced in a conversation? You know, to say that we should put on Christ, that's to say, that says something. And, and like I said, it's a big deal. It should mean that you know, we're faithful. It should mean that we're dedicated. It should mean that we're loyal to Jesus Christ, to say that we wear him, that we put him on. And I, I would just like to sum it up in this word, devoted. Devoted. What we put on often shows to what we're devoted. We put on clothes of all kinds, and they show our devotion. I've got my little pullover here. If I put this on, yeah, I got my Parkway, I got my Parkway colors, right? Parkway Christian School, our school. If I put on my pullover, I'm showing, I'm devoted to the school. It means something to me. And I'm sure so many of you have items like that. And you know, it's very often we put on these things that show product, name, whatever. Shirts, hats, clothes, shoes, socks. They're making some kind of statement. And I just did a quick look through my phone. I did a quick look. And uh, it's amazing. Really, I think the majority of us are wearing something that 
says something. Uh, and I just pulled three photos. I pulled three photos. I'm going to show them to you. So here's photo number one. This is, this is from the Way Camp. It was uh, the Way Camp, our uh, youth ministry. And they, fo- they focused on the theme of being devoted, as I said. And when Julie and I visited, uh, we noticed you know, how these students were really getting more devoted. And I want to look at some of them. I want that uh, picture to go up on the screen. Number one. It's behind me. All right. Yeah, I'm looking over here. Nice. Okay, so camera, you see my back. I know that's a rule I'm breaking, right? But look at all these. Look at all these students and what they're wearing, right? Up in front, there's uh, Kennedy. She's got Oakland University. There's Gracie next to her. She's wearing an Amplify shirt. I can tell that. That's about a youth ministry. Uh, There's uh, Heather on the right side. I know that she's wearing a way uh, the Way Ministries shirt. I remember that. Uh, let's see, Mariah, she's got the Nike Swish. Hannah's got, uh, Hannah's got a Higgins Lake shirt on. That's what that is. Nikki is wearing a Birmingham uh, Bloomfield Beavers hat. There's Ryan with uh, Class of 17. Jackson's got Southeastern Burn or Fire. He's got the Nike Swish too. There's a lot of Nike going on there. Uh, Lauren's got a Lake Orient shirt. Let's see. Jacob with his thumbs up. California. He likes California. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, there's uh, Connor. Connor has got Parkway Christian School baseball state champions 2016. So that's a good shirt. Yeah. And then there's Dylan, right? Dylan's shirt says, it's simple. God loves you. So there's all kinds of statements in, in these uh, photos uh, here, oh, and right in the middle, there's, uh, it's Judah. He had a Nike swish on his visor, too. All kinds, all kinds of product, all kinds of, uh, you know, messages. And it's not just the students. So I've got another photo, and I'm sure it's shown up behind me already, right? Uh, this was from, well, they put, nice, all right, an improvement. Uh, this was when we did our painting project earlier in the year. So these aren't students, right? These were our helpers. There's uh, Dave, he's got, uh, he's a proud parent. Shirt says, I'm a proud parent, Anchor Bay uh, parent. There's uh, Jerry's got Folly Beach, South Carolina. He's wearing a Venice uh, hat. John, John Kurtz has got the Venice Beach, Venice Beach, California shirt. John Rott's got some kind of hunt club, his hunt club jacket on. So people are showing, oh, Chuck, Chuck's hat's on backwards, but you can't see it. It says Michigan right there. Michigan fan, right? Uh, so one, one more. I took I have just one more random picture. Uh, this was our students that just left. They're out. On, they went to a canoe trip on Friday. Our, uh, a group from our college age uh, area, or 18 to 30-ish. So what are they all wearing? There's Erin. She's got a Gull Lake shirt. Evan's got a Quicksilver hat. Let's see. Emily says Motor City. Dave's got Michigan going on. Anton's got Mickey Mouse. Uh, Heather, she's got a Hudsonville ice cream shirt on. Uh, Michael, he's got a little Adidas shirt. And then on the end, there's Catherine. She's got uh, something about swamp foot push your limits. Some kind of exercise thing or whatever. Right? Three random photos. How many products? How many messages? How many things were uh, where people were really showing some of their, what I'd say, their devotion? 
We put these things on. It usually means we have some kind of loyalty to it. I'm not going to put on my Ford hat because, hey, my dad worked for Chrysler, right? So we, we, this was our, our family and it was our livelihood. I got my Dodge hat. I'm not going to wear a Ford or a Chevy hat. Not to insult any of you who work there or anything, but this was where my family's loyalty was. It was in the, the Chrysler product line. So when we want to show a message, a message like uh, who we're uh, loyal to or, or something like maybe Amplify, which uh, one student was wearing, or, you know, it's simple. God loves you. It shows something about what we want to get across to another, doesn't it? It shows a, a level of loyalty. And there's a spectrum there for sure, right? Uh, maybe you put on the Hudsonville ice cream, but you'll eat Haagen-Dazs too, right? You're probably not that much of an ice cream snob. Uh, but on other things, you know, the spectrum can get a little bit heavier. It can get a little bit stricter. I know. If I go to someone's house and I know they're, they're maize and blue family and I come in with the green and white, forget about it. They might not let me in. Yeah, what? Oh, no, we don't let the green and white come into a blue house, right? That's because the loyalty runs so thick and deep. And so if we have such a deep loyalty to something like a, like a college football team, how much more when we say we profess Jesus Christ? When we profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, is our loyalty so fierce Will we defend him like we defend Michigan State or, or University of Michigan? I mean, are we that devoted? Now, this was, this was some of Paul's emphasis here in Romans chapter 13. To put on Christ, to clothe yourself, cover yourself, show people what, what you are devoted to and that you're motivated by love, love-inspired, love-driven uh, motivation. This is an image this is an image he's giving us of a true devotion, devotion that's far deeper and much more profound than things like, you know, logos on shirts. To use a word we don't use much anymore, he's getting across a sublime devotion above and beyond anything we should be devoted to in this world. To put on Christ, you know, that means that we are in relationship with him. And we often hear in Christian circles, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? And some say this is Christianese, it's Christian jargon, and it's not something that uh, you'll find in the Bible. You won't find, make Jesus your personal Savior. That verse isn't there, but the idea that Jesus is personal, that God is personal, that we should have a personal devoted relationship with our Savior is a scriptural uh, principle. Because God, Jesus, they have a personality. And it's expressed in this mystery of the Godhead, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You know, what we've called the Trinity, these are mysteries of our faith. That is certain. One mystery is that God was this being that in essence was one, but he's the Father and he's the Son and he's the Holy Spirit. We're all three persons of this trinity are equal, but there's one sending. 
and there's another one being sent, and the Holy Ghost is acting out of his own sovereignty, and yet at the same time, he is proceeding from the Father and the Son. These are the mysteries of our faith that will forever be things that we marvel about and we contemplate, and to comprehend them fully is never going to happen, and to explain them is sometimes difficult, if not completely impossible, yet enough of the personal aspects, the personal aspects of a creator, they have been revealed to us who have been created. So much so that we can declare that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, these are persons. They are persons of the Trinity. So the Son, Jesus Christ, who the gospel says uh, he can be trusted. He is a person. The Christ of the gospel is a person that can be followed and should be followed. He is a, a person who is God and man in one. Jesus undertook the will of the Father. And he said he came to accomplish the Father's will. And he accomplished full salvation for sinners and the giving of his life as a sacrifice for sin up on the cross. And he sent the Holy Spirit to be our constant teacher and our advocate and our helper so concerning this Jesus, what does the scripture say? It says he died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according uh, to the scriptures and that he's gone into heaven and he sits at the right hand of God the Father and angels and authorities and all powers have been made subject unto him. This is a person who has come to this earth and now he sits at the right hand of the Father and Jesus was faithful to fulfill the promise that he left his disciples when he said he would send from the Father the Holy Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father. So it's to this God and it's to this Jesus, this person, that everyone, every sinner must have a relationship, a personal relationship as his saved brother or sister purchased and redeemed, cleansed by his precious blood. That's Jesus. That's Jesus the person. And so a sinner who fully trusts Jesus, trusts him as God and Savior and Lord personally. So again, I say you're not going to find a line that says Jesus is your personal Savior, but he is personal. The salvation from sin offered by Jesus is for individuals. But Jesus didn't uh, come, although there are statements in the Bible that say, you know, for God so loved the world. Yes, that's a, that's a, a broad and a corporate word, the whole world. But we need to be saved individually. When Jesus was approached by Nicodemus, that was an individual. When Jesus encountered the woman at the well, it was another individual. When Jesus said to Peter, who do you say? Who do you say? Not him or her or everybody. Peter, who do you say that I am? You know, this is the salvation that's offered by Jesus. It's not a family plan. It's not a group plan. It's a personal plan. It's an individual plan. He said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, I will give you rest. We must all come to Jesus individually, personally. And Paul reminded us, somewhat with something that's, that is uh, 
Sobering, he said in Romans 14, verse 12. So then each of us, and this means individually, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. You know, there comes a day, a day of judgment. Now, mom's not going to be standing in front of us. No dad, no brothers, sisters. It's not, we can't, can't hide ourselves in numbers because this is an individual, personal idea, and it's a big deal. So let's do our best. Let's do our best to be in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's do our best to put on Christ, to be devoted fully, completely, to be able to say without equivocation, as Paul said to Timothy, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I've believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him. And what did Paul commit unto Jesus? He committed his life. He gave him his trust. He, he gave him his health. He looked to him for his direction, his everything, his everything. This is what Paul is saying. I know in whom I have believed. Paul was absolutely, completely devoted to Jesus. And throughout uh, the closing chapters of this letter to the Romans, he, he just offers way after way that we can deepen our relationship and truly clothe ourselves in Jesus Christ. As we talked about last week about decent behavior and how decency is at odds with our culture. And decency, though, portrays Christ and it shows him to others and it indicates our devotion to him. Behavior that's motivated and driven by love. And today I want to offer this other means, this other idea of devotion which cultivates or deepens our relationship with Jesus and this is the idea of prayer. Paul touches on it in Romans uh, 12. This is verses 11 and 12. And again, it's, it's point after point after point here. Paul says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Two things I want to focus on here are don't lose your zeal. Paul says, keep your spiritual fervor, your enthusiasm. And second, I want to talk about being faithful in prayer. Now, I could talk about patience in affliction. Yes, it's, it's another, uh, another whole message or joyful in hope. Yes, because Paul's going point by point here. But it's this, this idea of prayer, this connection that we can have with God. I want to conclude with that today. We're going to have a prayer time, and if you're visiting here and uh, this is maybe new to you, every second Sunday we just close our service with a time of prayer. And we have called it a, a time for prayer of healing, but really it's a time for any kind, of, any kind of need that you have. You can come to these altars. The elders and the ministers of our church will be here because this is a principle of Scripture to pray and to pray together. And I want to conclude with this example that Paul says, don't lose your zeal, keep your spiritual fervor, and be faithful in prayer. And I want to tie it in with Psalm 116, as I mentioned earlier. Now, I used Psalm 116 a few weeks ago in our Saturday morning prayer meeting. And I think for those of you who are there, it's going to be a great review a repetition is worthwhile sometimes. This psalm, I think, ties right into what Paul is saying about don't lose your zeal, stay faithful in prayer. 
And I'll just read to you the first nine verses of Psalm 116. It says, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice, he heard my cry for mercy, because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me, the anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Now this is, this is a great, great encouragement about spiritual zeal and prayer. We don't know for sure who wrote this psalm, but it's clear the author was elated. The author was overjoyed, eager to commune with God. He had zeal, he had fervor. He was committed to call upon the Lord. He wrote, as long as I live. Now that's some dedication. How many of you can say, I'm that devoted. For sure, I'm going to call on the Lord as long as I live. Why this joy? Why this elation? Why this zeal? Why the spiritual fervor to call on God for the rest of his life? Well, he told the story. He was alive because he was alive. The writer had been delivered from the pit of hell. The writer said, I have been pulled from death. So, of course, he could write. I'll call on the Lord, I'm going to call on him all the days of my life, and I'm calling on him from the land of the living, because I'm alive. His life was returned to him. Now, it seems he had this answer to a desperate cry to the Lord. He says, oh Lord, save my soul, deliver my soul. Cried out to him. And he wrote this, the Lord heard my voice. He turned his ear to me. He inclined his ear to me. He paid attention. The Lord paid attention. Is not that a personal God? He's paying attention to an individual. He paid attention. He heard and he answered. This is a relational statement. I called, he heard. And he delivered my soul from death. So in return for his life, in return for salvation, in return for being saved from the pit, the writer vowed to call upon the Lord as long as he lived. In other words, he said, Lord, I'm devoting myself wholly, completely, 100% to you. Now I imagine when this psalmist wrote Psalm 116, I'm imagining, I don't know if this is a fact, but I just imagine it was soon after his life-saving experience. Imagine you were drowning, or you were in a fire, you were trapped in a car, and, there, and I was ready to, to fall off a cliff or something, and someone saved you. How are you going to be feeling? How are you going to be feeling pulled from the flames, plucked from the, the raging waters? You know, the jaws of life opening up the, the doors of the car to get you out just before it falls over the cliff. Ah, yeah, ho-hum, that was a boring day. I don't think so. 
I think you're going to be clicking your heels. You're going to be hugging that person who, who threw you the lifeline or pulled you out. You're going to say, thank you, thank you, I'm alive. My life flashed before my eyes. I don't know if you've ever had one of those types of experiences. I've had a couple that I really thought, this is it. This is it. And life, whew, you see these things in a second. But to come out of it, Wow. Wow. Of course, now you're, you're riding a wave. You are, you're on a high. And I believe that this psalmist in Psalm 116, he's riding the wave. His life has just been saved. So yes, he's full of vim and fervor and he's brimming with thanksgiving and joy. And he's ever so sincere in his heartfelt commitment. Of course he is. I owe you my life. Thank you. I'm going to call on you as long as I live. Absolutely. But what about as time rolls on? You know, I wonder if I could talk to the psalmist after five years, maybe 10 years, maybe 25 years after that life-saving experience. I wonder, is the enthusiasm going to be just as high? I wonder, in the words of Paul to the Romans, did he keep his spiritual fervor? Did he remain zealous? You know, many of us, we don't have to wonder. I might wonder and say, did, did, did his zeal t temper off or taper off? But I don't think many of us have to wonder. I want to ask, who in this room who here can say, I've been saved by Jesus Christ. My life has been brought up from the pit. I know that Jesus Christ brought me over from death to life. How many, how many would raise your hand and say that this morning? Right? Okay, so that's a, that's a great majority of you here. I think you know the story. I think you can say whether or not this person's zeal has waned. You know, look to your own story. If you raised your hand, you don't really have to wonder because your life has been plucked from the pit. You have been saved from death and hell and the grave by our gracious and our merciful Lord Jesus Christ. And for many of us, when that occurred, on the day that happened, the moment it happened, there was, there was palpable uh, joy. You could say like the psalmist, the Lord inclined his ear he heard me. I'm going to call upon him all the days of my life. Yes, of course, on that, on that moment you were saved, that's where your zeal was. You were there. Yes, I'm going to call upon you all the days of my life. Do you still see it that way? Or has life gotten in the way? Has life tamped down that enthusiasm? Has it caused your desire to commune with God who inclines his ear to you? Has life caused that enthusiasm, that spiritual zeal, that fervor to wane, to wear off? I mean, that, that's the big deal about prayer. It's our channel. It's our way of communication to a personal God. It's a way to mark our devotion to our Savior who inclined his ear unto us 
and he plucked us up, took us over from death to life. It's our interaction with him. And if our interaction with him begins to slip, our relationship with him begins to slip. Our devotion begins to fade. Paul's encouragement to remain fully devoted to Jesus, to be a person who displays Jesus, to be clothed in Christ, Paul's encouragement to keep our devotion and our relationship with Jesus active and ongoing is never lack zeal, he says. Keep your spiritual fervor. Be faithful in prayer. Who are you putting on today? You know, are you, are you putting on a logo? Are you putting on a corporate name? Are you putting on a bumper sticker saying? Or are you putting on Jesus? Are you putting on Jesus? We've been saved. If you raised your hand, you've been saved. You've been saved from something that was eternal. Death, hell, and the grave. And I say, heed the words of the, the apostle. Be devoted to Jesus. Call upon him as long as you live. Don't lose your zeal. Don't lose your fervor and be faithful in prayer. Today we pray. This morning I want us to pray as saved people. I want us to pray this morning as, uh, as people who were once low, as people who were once surrounded by trouble, in the grip of, uh, of hell, even as it says in Psalm 116, and in a word, dead. But we have been saved and brought to life. Will you pray to, today as, as alive people, people who are alive, and that you, you have zeal and you have fervor because you know that when you call upon God, he will incline his ear unto you. Will you trust him for that today? Let's pray to him today as people who are defined by Christ, not the world, not anything else that we wear. I want to invite our elders and our ministers to these altars, and let's pray Let's pray to him as those who've clothed ourselves in Jesus. Let's pray to him today with the absolute confidence and assurance that he'll turn his ear, he'll listen, and then he will hear our voice and our supplications. Let's pray to him today like we've just been delivered. And I just want to say, if you haven't been, if you haven't been delivered from death, if you've never really yielded your life to Jesus, as we heard from Brother Rob earlier, one day every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, our Father. It's better to do that today. It's better to do that today and put on the armor of light. Jesus Christ can win you over from sin, save you, from the penalty bring you over from death to life if you haven't received that today you can come to these altars too any and all if you've got a physical need if you've got a, a financial need if you've got a, an emotional a spiritual whatever the need and those of you in the back if you can't you know if you can't make it because it's hard to walk or anything. Just raise your hand. We have some elders on either side of the room and they'd be glad to come over and anoint you with oil. The word says, if any is sick among you, let him call on the elders of the church. They'll anoint him with oil and pray the prayer of faith. So come now and if you're not going to come to these altars, I just ask that you would just, let's keep an attitude of worship and praise and thanksgiving 
as others come to receive what God has for them at these altars. Father, we ask and pray your grace to be upon this time, Lord. As we call upon you, we trust. We trust, God, that you are a God who will incline your ear unto each of us. Lord, you're personal. You hear us individually. You care for your children. You've said you're the Father, we're the children. You've created us. Lord, children are individuals. They're personal. And we thank you, God, that you know us. You've even numbered the hairs on our head. Thank you, God. You care for us. Lord, we just say, use these elders and these ministers at these altars, God, to be true channels of your blessing as we just honor your word today. And any and all who come, Lord, give them a great testimony of your working in their life. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, these altars are open. These altars are open. Come for prayer before we close this service. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for blessing us today, for being in our service. Lord, thank you. Thank you for being our personal God, our Father, for sending the Son, and for keeping the Holy Spirit with us and filling us with your Spirit. God, it's amazing. Lord, we just praise you. We honor you. We exalt you. There is none but you. Our life is nothing but with you. Thank you, God, for giving us the breath in our lungs. God, may we go out of this sanctuary today and may it be our desire to continually pour out our praise, to continually have that spiritual fervor and zeal to pray faithfully, to be devoted to you, to remain clothed in Christ. God, I just pray over everyone here in this room that they'd have an opportunity to display Jesus as they leave here today, as they go about their life in neighborhoods, at work, at schools. Lord, that they'd be able to show Christ in all they do. God bless and keep all here. May your hand be upon them. Guide them and protect them and bring us all back safe again to worship and praise you. And we ask these great favors in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Amen.